Hey everybody, this is Bob Z, the pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast. I hope it's a word that will encourage you today. Let's remember in these challenging times we're living that God is still in control and that his love for us endures forever. Amen. God bless. Thank you, Jesus. It has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus. You've saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, we just sang. It's a pretty good song to sing on the Sunday before Thanksgiving Day, expressing our thanks to him. Hallelujah. This is Thanksgiving week, and man, I tell you, I love Thanksgiving. I love everything to do with Thanksgiving. Preparing the food, getting together with loved ones, eating good food, watching some football, and then eating leftovers. I'm not watching my carbs this week, Josiah. (laughs) Not this week. I love Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving needs to be a lifestyle, not just a holiday that we celebrate in November, right? Now, how many of us drove through those gates and declared out loud, we enter your gates with thanksgiving, we enter your courts with praise? Anybody do that this morning? Oh, come on now. (laughs) Thank you, Lewis. Bobby Bobby and I have been doing it for, for years. If you're not dumb enough to think things happen on a public school campus that are not of God, right? I'm old, but I remember. I can remember. And, uh, and that's what we do. And uh, think about it. What, what effect might that have on this campus if we all did that? Every Sunday morning, we come in. We enter your gates with thanksgiving, Lord. We enter your courts with praise. So if you haven't been doing that, I want to encourage you. Please start because I, I think it will make a difference. Think about it. We enter your gates with thanksgiving. We enter your courts with praise. That's from Psalm 100, verse 4. There's another line to that verse that says, give thanks to him and praise his name. Give thanks to him and praise his name. That's what we just did, right? We just praised his name during our our time of worship. So I was saying, let the wind blow. Let the tide roll till the whole earth knows you're a God of love. He's a God of love. Oh, how he loves us, right? Be thankful for his love. I don't think we can fully grasp the depth of God's love for us, that agape love, that sacrificial love that takes away all our sin, not some of it, not most of it, all of it. And when Jesus hung on that bloody cross and cried out, it is finished, that's exactly what he meant. His work here was done. He didn't have to come back and do it again or finish it later. It was done. He did it once, and he did it for all, and we need to be eternally thankful for that. The lyrics to one of my favorite worship songs says, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. So let's be thankful for how great his affections are for us because he's crazy about every one of us. And when we realize that, as that song goes on to say, we shouldn't have any time to maintain any regrets when we think about the way that he loves us. And if God's grace is an ocean, 
Guess what? That song says, if God's grace is an ocean, then we're all sinking. That's how deep his, his grace is. That's how much grace God gives us. Thank you, Jesus. So the only reason I can come up with for us not to be more thankful for how richly blessed we are is, do we forget? I know that's a lame excuse, but what else could it be? Sometimes we forget how much God loves us. We forget that his love endures forever. Do we forget that his mercies are new every morning? It's not on the screen, but in Luke 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers. You familiar with that story where Jesus heals 10 lepers? 10 men had a life-threatening disease, and Jesus heals all 10. And only one guy comes back to thank him. That one guy was filled with gratitude, and he comes back, and he falls down at Jesus' feet to worship him, which is the right response. And Jesus asked the guy, hey, uh, weren't there 10 of you guys that I healed? And the man says, yeah, yeah, there, there were 10 of us. And maybe Jesus looking around, well, uh, where's the other nine? Where'd they go? We don't know. The guy didn't know, neither do we. The, the Bible doesn't tell us. Now, Jesus told them, go, let the high priest inspect them because that made it legit that they were truly healed of their leprosy. But maybe those other nine, they, they were so excited that for the first time in who knows how long they can be reunited with their families and, and everything that they missed out on over that time because they were outcasts. They couldn't live around people. Maybe they just forgot. They were so excited about what this meant to go back and thank Jesus for giving them their lives back. Maybe, maybe they're so focused on the pleasures of life that now they could enjoy again that they just, just plain forgot to be thankful to Jesus. And I wonder sometimes, who, who are we more like? Are we like the one, the one who came back filled with gratitude and adoration for Jesus? Or are we like the other nine who, who just went on enjoying life again? I hope we're more like the one, one guy who, who didn't forget the one who blessed him, the one who healed him. Because we tend to forget God's mercies are new every day. I mean, think about that. Every morning, it's not like we, we get his mercies once a month or, or once a week. His mercies are new every morning, no matter how we're feeling. Every morning when we wake up, brand new mercies are there to greet us. But do we think about that? Are we thankful for that every morning? I hope so. How about at the end of a long, hard day? Do we think back on it? with thankfulness, maybe thankful that it's finally over? <laughs> or do we fail to look back at the many, many mercies and tiny little blessings that God gave us throughout that day? Do we ever stop long enough to think about what our lives would be like if the mercies of God had not been written into our own personal life stories? Man, I would hate to think what mine would look like probably wouldn't even be alive to tell you the truth. I know I sure wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. So we tend to, to forget about God's mercy. Or maybe we just take it for granted. Because see, forgetting about God's mercy is dangerous because that shapes the way we think about ourselves and, and it begins to shape the way we think about others. 
One of the translations of Ephesians 4, verse 32, tells us this. It's not on the screen. Be kind and merciful to one another and forgive others just as God also forgave you in Christ. See, we need to be thankful and we need to walk in humility because, listen, humility is the soil that mercy for others grows in. You get that? Humility is the dirt, it's the earth, it's the soil that mercy for others grows in. I hope that makes sense. Let's not forget his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. It's like the lyrics that a video Chris played during the offering. I don't know if you heard the words of that by Brian and Katie Torwell. It says, how quickly we forget the God who lives in every day. Oh, my soul, remember who you're talking to. Amen? Let's never forget who we're talking to. The creator of everything and everyone. The only one, that, that song said, who death bows to. That's the God who walks with you. The only God who empties graves, his power can still raise the dead. Don't tell me that he's finished yet. I like that song. Let's remember who we're talking to. Amen? Because he's the only one who can give us new life, give us eternal life with him. And if you don't have that new life in Christ yet, we need to talk before you leave. Because Jesus already paid the price. Paid, paid a steep price for all of us. He did all the dirty work. He did all the heavy lifting. He went to the cross for every one of us, and he's offering us eternal life with him. We'd have to be fools to turn him down. So as that song says, let's not forget who we're talking to, and let's not forget God's mercy, yeah? Because when we remember his mercy, we also remember that we did absolutely nothing to earn how his mercy blesses us over and over and over and over again. And when we remember his mercy, we're more humble and thankful. And when we remember God's mercy, we tend to complain less and give thanks more. We turn from self-focused to God-focused and others-focused. But when we forget mercy, or we just take it for granted, we start to take credit for stuff that only God's mercy could provide. And when we forget God's mercy, we're going to have a more difficult time extending mercy to others. Remember, humility, right? That's a key. Humility is the soil that mercy for others grows in. And being thankful for the mercy God gives us every day should motivate us to extend mercy to others. If he extends it to us, we need to extend it to others, right? Because if that doesn't make us do that, then we got a real problem. we got a heart problem that God needs to fix. So let's remember that verse I quoted from Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and merciful to one another and forgive others just as God also forgave you in Christ. All right. Well, let's get into today's part of this message now that we're almost halfway done. The title of this morning's message is Be Thankful in All Circumstances. Boy, that's not easy to do, is it? These are two tough lessons in a row. One was love your enemies. That's tough. And here's be thankful in all circumstances. But hopefully, we can all learn something about being more thankful or at least be reminded of how thankful we should be this morning and, and quite honestly, every morning. Okay? 
Be thankful in all circumstances. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's pray. Father, open your word up to us now and teach us from your word. Remind us from your word to be more thankful. I know this is Thanksgiving week and uh, we might make a big deal about it this Thursday and then forget about it the rest of the year. Let, let that not be the case with us. Let us be grateful and thankful people. There's power in Thanksgiving. And we need to be releasing more and more thanksgiving to people. We don't look for a pat on the back, Lord. We just want to be more like you. Help us be like that today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Be thankful in all circumstances. Now, if we're thankful and merciful people, it'll be easier for us to obey the instructions that the Apostle Paul gives us in this morning's scriptures. Look what he tells us to do. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14 and 15. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always, always try to do good to each other and to all people. Wow. It's a lot in there. And this isn't just a suggestion. This is a biblical command. Just like the Ten Commandments, they're not called the Ten Suggestions. They're the Ten Commandments. And here is a command from God's Word. We urge you, Paul is saying, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Now, he's not saying go to lazy people and say, hey, you lazy bum, get off your butt, do something, be, be productive, get a job. He's not saying that. But when Paul wrote this letter to the Thessalonians, the preaching of Jesus' second coming was having an odd effect on a lot of the believers. Many of them just gave up their daily work, quit their jobs, waited around for Christ to return. Then what's the point of working? Jesus is coming back. He's going to get us out of here. It'll be all over. I mean, the idea of working for a living lost its appeal because Christ was returning. Today, the idea of working for a living has lost its appeal for other reasons, but this was because Jesus was coming, and the good news is he is coming back. Christ will return. Count on it. In daily life as we know it here is going to end. But it's not a reason to stop working and sit around waiting. It's a reason to be more committed, to be more dependable, to, to work more faithfully. Because the best way, I believe, to demonstrate to the unbelieving world that Christianity is the best of all faiths is to show that it produces the best of all people, right? The best of all faiths should produce the best of all people. I hope you believe that. The outside world may never, ever walk into a church building to hear a sermon, but our lives preach a sermon every day, wherever we are, whoever we're around. And they need to be the kind of sermons that attract people to Jesus, not repel them. I've been around too many people before I became a believer to think, why would I want to be like that? Where's the joy in that? I remember hearing some old guys just started going to church, had, had not yet surrendered my heart to Jesus, but I went begrudgingly. I asked Bobby wanted me to go with her. I said, yeah, okay, I'll go. And this old guy got up there and said, I remember Dad got saved. Happiest day of my life. I'm thinking, well, yeah, it shows. <laughs> it really shows you're happy. The guy was miserable. So we got to think, does your life attract people to Jesus? 
Does the way you act and the way you talk to people attract people to Jesus or repel them? These two verses give us such good advice to go by and obey. Warn those who are lazy. Don't belittle them. Warn them. Encourage those who are timid. People need encouragement these days. I know I sure do, and several of you do encourage me, and I really appreciate that. That's what keeps Bobby and me going. That's what keeps us pressing in and not giving up and wondering, is this any of this doing any good and pushing through? So thank you for encouraging us and praying for us and blessing us. Don't stop. But we all need to encourage others. Lewis encourages me often. He's my Barnabas. And, and sensitivity is, is so important in this. Sensing a person's condition and knowing how to minister to them effectively. We can't apply the proper medicine until we know where the real wound is, right? I mean, let me repeat that. Some of you may not have caught that. You don't have to turn to your neighbor and repeat it. Just, just remember it. But having awareness and having revelation and a sensitivity to what people are going through and what they're dealing with instead of saying, why is that guy always so angry? Why is this guy always so complaining all the time? You know? Instead of just blowing that person off or saying, what a jerk, we have to have an awareness and we have to have a revelation. A sensitivity will help us effectively minister to other people. Because like I said, we can't apply the proper medicine until we know where the real wound is. We don't want to just treat the symptom. We want to get rid of the root cause, right? So encourage those who are timid and take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Did you hear that one? Be patient with everyone. That could be the hardest one of all. See that no one pays back evil for evil. Don't seek revenge. God will take care of it. Instead, always try, try to do good to each other and to who? To all people. Think, gosh, Paul, you're killing me here. This, this is almost impossible, just like loving our enemies is impossible without God. That's a whole lot in those two verses. But try to imagine. God, God gave us an imagination. Try to imagine what our world would look like if everyone obeyed these commands. Man, try to imagine what Bradley County would look like if the church obeyed these commands, right? Now, I'm going to answer that ongoing question that a lot of Christians ask. What is God's will for my life? Who knows how many books have been written telling people how to discover God's will for their life. I'm sure Bobby and I have a couple of them somewhere. Now, I haven't written a book, not yet anyway, but I'm going to give you the answer to that question. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, and 18. Paul says, first, always be joyful. Never stop praying. And be thankful in all circumstances, for this is what? For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. There it is. You don't have to buy another book to find out. You don't need to go to another conference or another seminar to find out. Here it is in another translation, in NAV. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, or pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. You see it? There it is. 
According to the Bible, these three things are God's will for anybody in Christ. We can't go wrong by obeying these three things. Didn't say it's easy. Now, I realize a lot of people, especially college students getting ready to graduate, Josiah's getting ready to graduate, you might wonder, what am I supposed to do with my life? For three or four years, I knew what I was doing. I was in school, but now what? What am I going to do? Do I go on to grad school? Do I find a job in my field? Do, do, do I get married? Do, do I move to a new area? Should I go into foreign mission work? You know, And I say foreign mission work because some people have a narrow view of what defines a missionary. Some think a missionary is someone who flies into a foreign land to help a community learn, to grow crops, hear the gospel, or dig a well so they have clean drinking water and they're not getting sick from malaria or other waterborne diseases. Some might teach in a classroom setting. Some of you remember Zach Vaughn. He went to Lee and graduated, went to Mongolia for a couple years, was teaching English and sharing the gospel. Then he went to Japan. He's in Japan doing the same thing, teaching English, sharing the gospel. He learned the Japanese language. He learned it so well that now Zach Vaughn is preaching in Japanese. Preaching in English is hard enough, but preaching in Japanese, man. So yeah, all that is missionary work. But mission work is also volunteering at the caring place. It's also volunteering at Habitat for Humanity. Mission work is praying at the block party for people we know, don't know, haven't met before. Mission work is giving food baskets out to people in need, sharing the love of Jesus. See, in God's eyes, those people are every bit a missionary as the person who flew to the other side of the world to do something very similar. God calls different people to do different things for his kingdom. But we're all called. Mikey and a bunch of people from Publix did something for Foundation House Ministries. That's mission work. That's showing the love of Jesus to people. So we're all called. No, it's not, we're not to be spectators in this. We're all called to do something. But let's look. Let's look at these three commands in, in verse 16, 17, and 18. Can we have that back up, Chris? Always be joyful. Now, let's face it. That's easier to do when things are going well, right? Sure. But the command doesn't say always be joyful when things are going well. So we need to choose. We need to make a choice and choose joy. And someone said, well, I don't feel like being joyful. That's, that's why it's a choice. <laughs> you don't have to feel like it. You think God's word would have to command us to always be joyful if we just did it naturally? It seems we complain naturally, right? We don't have to learn how to complain. We're, we're pretty good at that. But we have to purposely choose to rejoice always. Because I know there's been times in your life and there's been a lot of times in my life where I didn't have it in me. I just couldn't rejoice. But the word is saying rejoice always. Always be joyful. Oh, and another thing, where it says always be joyful, in the Greek that means always. In Hebrew, it means always. Most of the time just doesn't cut it when the command is always. Right? Always be joyful. Not most of the time. Never stop praying. And uh, never means never. Be thankful in all circumstances. It doesn't say be thankful for the circumstance. We're not thankful 
for a bad report from the doctor. We're not thankful for the transmission going out in our vehicle. We're not thankful if the septic tank overflows. We're not thankful when the heat pump breaks down. But somehow, we gotta learn to still be thankful to God even when life is hard. Because it doesn't take long to find somebody in worse shape than ourselves. So we need to complain less and we need to give thanks more. Because think of this, complaining undermines our faith. And it's a terrible witness. If Christians are complaining all the time, that's a terrible witness to people who aren't sure what they believe. And, and think of this, complaining only happens when we're more focused on a problem than we're focused on God. It's hard to complain when we're more focused on the goodness of God and dwell on his goodness than being focused on our problem. See, we have to turn from everything we know about God's goodness to complain, right? I mean, we know a lot about God's goodness, but we have to turn away from all that to complain about something. But we've never done that, have we? Not us. Not this church. It must be those people that go to other church. Not, not these people. Not us, right? Yeah, right. Now, we just got done singing about our love of God, right? Let my dry bones sing a new song. All the glory to the God of love. Till the earth knows you're a God of love. I mean, do we believe what we're singing? Because if so, we've got nothing to complain about. And I don't mean just here now on a Sunday morning. I mean later. I mean at home. I mean at work, at school, wherever we are. If something happens and we don't like it, are we going to remember what we declared out loud during worship? Or... Are we going to turn from everything we know about the goodness of God and complain? We get a lot of opportunities in this life to see if we're going to always be joyful, don't we? Man. Car problems, work problems, marriage problems, family problems, kid problems, you name it. And I got to tell you, when these things happen in my life, rejoicing ain't my first response. I'll tell you the truth, rejoicing ain't my second response or my third response. I usually have to go through a few emotional responses before I can get to rejoicing. Can anyone else relate to that or am I, I the only one? <laughs> yeah, amen. Oh, man. Where was I? Sorry. And it's our choice to make. Now, I'm not responsible for how others respond to the difficulties they face. But I'm always, always, always responsible for how I respond. And you're always responsible for how you respond, too. And to tell you, sometimes I get it right. And other times, uh, other times I just really blow it. That's because I reacted instead of waiting and responding. And I'm 71 years old, and I'm still trying to get it right more times than I get it wrong. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. And be thankful in all circumstances. Those three things wouldn't be commands if they weren't within our reach. Joy is always within our reach. Prayer is always within our reach. Being thankful as hard as it may be sometimes, is always within our reach if we choose. 
But it's easier just to complain. Listen, when our hearts are praying for some kind of breakthrough, and we're really interceding for someone or something, and we're praying for a breakthrough, being thankful keeps us focused on our prayers of faith instead of complaining why nothing's happening. I've been praying nothing's changing. We're complaining. But if we're being thankful, that keeps us focused on our prayers of faith, believing. Okay, God, I'm not seeing it, but I'm believing you. I'm thankful because I know you can do it. I don't doubt you can do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering you're going to do it for me. I, I get it. I've been there. It's easier to complain, but it's more beneficial to be thankful, even when it's really hard. Let's look at these three commands again. Always be joyful. Your Bible might say rejoice always. Never stop praying or pray without ceasing. Be thankful in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. That is so hard to do sometimes. You know, if the Bible had nothing else written in it except for these three commands, that would be a full-time, lifelong job for us to successfully fulfill them. Right? I mean, you could spend the rest of your life trying to do these three things well. And, and remember, it's God's will for us. This is his will for us. Our joy, our prayers, and our thankfulness shouldn't fluctuate when our circumstances fluctuate. But they do, don't they? Mine do. Obeying these three commands is hard. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. And be thankful in all circumstances. That just goes against our nature. But when we make a conscious decision to do what God's word is commanding us to do, we'll see our circumstances from a different perspective. And we'll begin to see other people from a different perspective too. We'll see people and circumstances from God's perspective instead of our limited perspective. See, we need a vertical perspective, not just horizontal. We need both, but we need a vertical one. So may God help us see things and, and see people with his loving, kind, compassionate eyes instead of our critical, judgmental, cynical eyes. When we obey his commands and do his will for our lives, we'll find it easier to be joyful. We'll find it easier to pray. We'll find it easier to be thankful, no matter what else is going on, if we're going to obey. It's not on a screen, but Psalm 105, verse 1, declares, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Let the whole world know what he has done. Are we doing that? Are we giving thanks to the Lord? Are we proclaiming his greatness? Are we letting the whole world know what great things has he done? Are we letting anyone know what great things he has done? Let's quit our belly aching and our complaining. And let's, we're so blessed. We're so stinking blessed. We've got nothing to complain about. So let's enter his gates with thanksgiving. Let's enter his courts with praise. 
Let's give thanks to him and praise his name. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Stand with me, please, if you're able. I want to pray Psalm 100 over us this morning. It's, it's listed in the Bible as a psalm of thanksgiving, so it's just fitting for this Sunday before our day of thanksgiving. But every day needs to be a day of thanksgiving. Like I said, it's going to be a lifestyle, not just a holiday. Here it is. Receive this this morning. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We declare that this morning over all of us. We receive that this morning, Lord, from your word. We say amen and amen, be it so.